Um, before we dive into this, we're going to start uh, just a brand new three-week series. But before we do this, I just kind of want to explain the direction that we're going over the next few weeks. If you, if you joined us last week, we did a series, or it wasn't a series, just a single message that we called Pioneer. And we talked about what it was actually going to take to be a church that's not just in the city, that's not just placed in a city by its geographical location, but what would it take to actually be a church if we were to pack up today, gone tomorrow, and we did not exist, we would ultimately say, would the community actually miss this church? Because the truth is, that's what we're here for. We want to serve our city. We want to make a difference in this city. We know that there are thousands and thousands of people that do not know Jesus, and ultimately, that's why we exist. So over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving through different things, different topics, different ideas of what it's going to take to be that church, to look like that church. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about generosity. Now, I know when we talk about generosity, sometimes money and church, sometimes like oil and water for people, and you're going, man, I wish I would have slept in for this Sunday, and I would have skipped this one, because this is not one that most of us like to hear about or we lo- that we like to talk about specifically in the context of church. But here's the deal. You cannot live a fulfilled walk with Jesus until you learn how to be generous, because the truth is, When you look at Jesus and you look at his ministry and you look at his life, there was one word that could simply be marked by. It was a servant, and then he was also extremely generous, even till death on a cross when he gave his life and gave everything for you and for I. So what we're doing is we're kicking off a series that we're just calling, This Is What We Do. This is what we do as OSC Crowley, as this church, as you being a part of this church, we're going to talk about this is what it takes. This is just what we do. This is the attitude that we have. This is the posture and the placement that we want to give towards the world and towards our city. So before I dive into this, let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that this morning we have the incredible opportunity to be able to talk about you. God, I pray for people that maybe they're walking in here today, maybe they're lost, maybe they don't know you, maybe they're far from you and they came here just hoping for just a glimmer of hope. God, I pray that you would give that to them today. I pray whatever walls that they have built up, whatever obstacles that they have placed, God, that ultimately that you would begin to penetrate those walls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but we strive to be an extremely generous church. Um, We do this every single week. When we talk about the tithe, when we talk about giving back, we we don't just say it because we want you to do it. We say it because ultimately we do it. Um, Every single Sunday, um, there is every, everything that comes in, there's 10% that is given towards international, local, and, and global missions that we give away. I don't know if you guys know this, but last year, just this church was able to sponsor over 30 kids out in Kenya, and then collectively as a whole with all of our campuses together, we were able to give $60,000 to an orphanage over in Kenya. How many of you guys know? That's absolutely incredible. Come on, let's give God a hand for that. And so here's what I want to talk about this morning is ultimately, as a church, we want to lead the way in generosity. Because here's the truth. Most Christians today could care less about what you claim to be. They want to see who you are, 
right? So you can, you can make up the talk and you can listen to the Christian music and you can talk about the Christian lingo all the time, but until you prove to people with your actions that your, your words actually back up your actions, people usually don't believe you. And so what we say is we want to lead the way as a church in just irrational generosity so that when people in this community, in this city, hear about our church, they know that we're a church that gives back. Um, what's really cool is over the weeks, and you guys don't get to see this often, it's usually inside of our offices and our team, but man, there has, I can't tell you how many single mothers that we've been able to help or how many families that we've been able to put groceries on their table or how many kids that we've been able to give Christmas. You guys know this last year, but I think it was around 65 to 67 uh, kids that this church specifically was able to give every foster kid in the foster system a Christmas present. How many know that's pretty awesome? Like, that is what we do. But here's the truth. Most people think they're generous just because they give, and just because you give does not mean you're generous. So most people think, well, I give something, but it does not mean that you're living a lifestyle of generosity. So let me define what generous actually means. Here's the definition. To orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference, to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. So here's what this means, that you're putting yourself constantly in a position to hear from God and whatever he tells you to do, whether it's your time, your talent, or your treasure, you say, you know what, I'm going for it. Now, here's the truth. If we're just being honest, most Americans don't feel rich, and we are. Um, Most Americans think we're generous, and we're not. So, so let me explain. When we compare ourselves with somebody else, you can feel like you have nothing, right? You know, you're, you're like, you're, maybe you got into your house, maybe you got a new house, or maybe whatever you, whatever you live in now, and you're like, man, it's pretty nice. And then you just go drive like in River Ranch and Lafayette, and you're like, I live in a dump, right? <laughs> I live in a dump. Um, and so whatever, we can always have a comparison that's going to be better than ours, but here's the truth. I don't know if you know this or not, but if you have a car, show of hands, how many of you have a car? You have four wheels. Okay, listen to this. If you have a car, you're in the top six to 9% of top wealthiest people in the world just because you have a vehicle. Now watch this. The average American actually gives 2.8% of what they make in a year. So they give 2.8% of their income to charity or to, to the church or whatever it may be. So that means if you make, watch this, if you make over $100,000 to $200,000 a year, your percentage actually goes down. So it means you, mo- those people mostly only give about 2.6% of their income. And here's the truth. A long time ago, my wife and I, and even a lot of the pastors here at this church, uh, we just made a decision that ultimately we're going to live lifestyles of generosity. Um, My wife and I, every single week, I I can't tell you how much... Sometimes when we look at things and we look at our own, our, our own finances and you kind of go, man, I don't really want to give that to the church because that's going to hurt. That's gonna be, I, I, I could go on vacation with that money, right? And ultimately, it's a decision to say, ultimately, you know what? I want to live a lifestyle of generosity. I want to live a lifestyle that ultimately is exciting. How many of you have ever just gotten bored in Christianity? You just get bored sometimes. You're like, what is, what is this all about? Like, why are we doing this? And here's the truth. Oftentimes, boredom sets in when we're not generous, 
When we're not generous, we kind of get bored of, with what we're doing. But here's what we believe at this church. We believe that it's truly more blessed to give than receive. Amen. It's truly more blessed to give than receive. Do you remember, the, you remember the moment as a parent when you realized that Christmas was no longer for you? <laughs> you remember that? Like, I remember as a kid, like, you'd get so excited, and you'd run, and my, my, my parents used to do this. I think they did it to torture us, but, like, Christmas Eve, there was no presents out at the tree. And my dad, if you know my dad really well, he's a huge jokester. It's probably where I get it from, but he'd be like, you know, son, I mean, it's just, it wasn't happening this year. We're not getting anything. We're like, oh, my God. And then we'd wake up Christmas morning, and there'd be presents everywhere, and there was this thrill of just, you know, ripping presents open, and now as a parent, you see that ultimately they got more blessed by giving the gifts than we did by simply opening them. As a parent, we get so excited to, you know, wrap the presents for a birthday party or for Christmas or for whatever it is. And we can't wait to see our children's faces. But here's the truth. As Christ followers were called to live a lifestyle of generosity. So here's the question that we've got to answer today. Why don't we? Why don't we? Why do we choose not to live a lifestyle of generosity? And the truth is, if we're honest, most people just feel like they can't give because they feel like they're completely strapped. I think most people in here want to give. We just feel like, look, I am swimming in my eyeballs up to debt, and there's no way that I can. But I think there's actually a different reason for why we don't give, and I think it's this. I think we actually fall into a mindset of scarcity. We have a scarcity mindset. So let me show you. We're going to put a graphic up here on the screen. And I want to show you how scarcity is actually a cycle. It is this mentality that we actually get into if we're not careful. So here's what happens. If you go to the next slide, God supplies. So you're praying like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. We got bills to pay. I got the rent to pay next month. So God supplies. We, 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 we pray, we ask God, and he supplies something. Then here's what happens. God supplies, and then we consume. And then when we consume, we get to a place where we lack, and then when we lack, we fear, and then we consume all over again. So it is this cycle of scarcity over and over. So God supplies, God gives us what we want, and then ultimately we consume. We take it all in for ourselves. And then we get to a place, once we've consumed it all, we lack. Have you ever been there where you go, oh my God, I don't know what we're going to do, and you freak out, Right? And when you freak out, here's what happens. God supplies again, and we consume again. This is called, plain as day, living paycheck to paycheck. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you can't seem to get ahead. You seem like you're always struggling. You wish that you could give more. But the reason so many people have a problem with generosity is because they have a scarcity mindset. See, as Christ followers, we got to refuse this scarcity mindset. Now, why? Here's the truth. Because of what God has done, this is what we do. Because what God has done for us, it requires a response out of us. Not out of like this, you know, obedient religion, but out of this gracious thing that our God has done for us, that he's given absolutely everything for us. So it puts us in this posture of going, man, if God has saved me from that, if God has moved me from that, how many, how many of you would say this today? I may not be where I want to be, but I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. Amen. Anybody? Okay, and here's the truth. When you realize how much God has saved you from, listen, you go in with the whole package. 
Can I just be honest with you? Most Christians say, listen, I'm willing to come into church. I'm willing to do this whole thing. But here's the truth. I'm only willing to give pieces. Like I'm all in. And then you start realizing what it's all. Wait, God requires me to give everything. Well, I'll give this part, but not that part. And you wonder why you struggle in your relationship with Jesus. So let's talk about this. As a church, this is what we do. Number one, we give generously. We give generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 9 says this. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. So here's what I want you to hear before I read the rest of this. This is not a sermon like to guilt you into giving towards the end. They're like, I knew it. He's talking about money and they take up the offering at the end. That's what it was all for, right? <laughs> Listen, honestly, if you have that attitude, keep your money. Keep it. We don't want it. Because here's the truth. Watch what the rest of this verse says. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Now watch this. I love this part. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So here's what it boils down to is God loves a cheerful giver. But here's what you got to decide. This is, like I said, this is not a sermon to go, oh my gosh, I just feel so guilty. And then I'm going to just drop something in the bucket when it comes by. That's not what this is about. See, the truth is the tithe is more for you than it is for anybody else. And let me explain why, because money is the only thing that the scriptures talk about that it has the ability to control your heart. It has the ability to transform your thinking. It has the ability to go, well, if I give this, I'm going to have nothing. And we live in this scarcity mindset. And so ultimately what happens is money begins to control every step and every move that we make. So if we do this, if we give generously, we move to watch what God does. So this is what God does when we give generously. God multiplies abundantly. So when we give generously, God begins to multiply. Watch what the scripture says here in 2 Corinthians 9. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. So let me put it in a modern day context. God is the one who has given you the gift and the ability to go to work. And some of us, here's what we do. Well, I worked for that money. I earned that money. And God's going, yeah, but do you remember I'm the one that gave you breath to be able to get out of the morning? And I'm the one that still causes your heart to beat. And I gave you that gifting and talent. Like some of us, we didn't choose to have a certain gift. Like some of you wish you could sing, but you're like, you can't, you know? And then some of you just wake up and you can sing. And it's a gift that God has given you. And watch what it says. So God gives... God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So here's what I want you to understand. And this is my whole goal this morning is to move you from a scarcity mindset to the mindset that God wants to move you to. Because when we understand generosity, it begins to break the cycle of scarcity and it starts a completely different cycle. So let me show you a different graphic here. When you break this mindset of scarcity, here's what happens. God supplies. Now when God supplies, we give. 
And when we give, God multiplies. And when God multiplies, what does it do? It increases our faith and we give more. And now we live in this cycle of abundance rather than scarcity. You see how this works? See, but what most of us do is God supplies, we consume, and then it puts us in this cycle of scarcity. But God's saying, according to the scriptures, for God is the one that provides seed for the farmers. So God is the one that has given you the gift to do what you do. And if you can realize that, when you get that, you go, okay, I'm going to give it back because God is the one that has given me this. So this is why tithing, this principle of tithing is so important. So watch, tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle called supply. New cycle called supply. So this means the first 10% of everything we receive goes back to God. So this is what Claire and I do is like, honestly, I'm the type of person, if I did not automate bills, like I would just, I wouldn't live, <laughs> right? Like my wife can attest to this. Um, I, I don't remember dates. Like she's like, did you pay this? And I'm like, I, I hope so, <laughs> you know? Um, so what we do just honestly to keep my own personal heart in check, because I know how wicked that I can be sometimes, is when things get tight, I go, oh, no, no, just let, let's not give that. And I want to consume, right? So what we did a long time ago is we just set up our tithe to come out automatically. And I don't even have to look at it. And when I forget about it, it still comes out. And that way I make sure that the first of everything that I make goes back to God. Now, here, let's just clear up this argument. Because some may argue that the tithe no longer exists because that's Old Testament stuff, right? It's like Old Testament stuff. So if you go all the way back before the law even existed, before the Old Testament was even written, Abraham returned the first increase to God. Before we would look at the scriptures and go, well, that's the Old Testament. And then if you look at the New Testament, Jesus says two times in the gospel that you should tithe and don't forget the important matters of the law. Actually, if you want to take it into context, Jesus actually says everything that you receive should go back to God. Everything that you give should go, literally go through your mind and go, everything that I have is a blessing. And God, however much you want me to return to you, that's what I'm going to do. In other words, God is just assuming that we all understand that tithing is important because this is what we do. And here's the truth. God blesses us, we give back, and the cycle of scarcity begins to be broken. See, poverty is not just a situation that you grow up in. It's a mindset of this is going to be the way that it always is. And I'm never going to be out of this. And this is why we have to get into this mindset, this idea that we serve a generous God. And ultimately, when you realize that, you realize that something is required of you. And now I want you to get this. If your heart can't get to this place today, then that's why I said, keep your money. The truth is what God wants to move you from is this idea when you experience this radical grace, when you realize like how much God has set you free from, like the depression that he's wiped from you, the anxiety that he's taken from you, the marriage that you thought that was never going to work, but you fought through it and God actually graciously was able to touch you and your husband and you were able to work it out. When you realize that that's how good God is, you go, God, whatever you want from me, it's yours. See, it's a different posture of the heart. And what God wants to get inside of us is this different posture that we can come in here 
And we're believers that not just attend a church service. I don't know if you know this or not, but like in South Louisiana, we're really good at checking things off the list, right? Like church is like a checklist. Like we hope that like, God, I didn't go to service 52 times in the year. I went about 30, but that should be good enough to get me into heaven, right? At least somewhere around there. And we genuinely believe like, as long as I'm coming, as long as I'm doing this and God's saying, look, if, you, if that's all you're ever doing, then you're missing the heart behind it. God wants us all in. Like this poker game, I shove all my chips on the table and, and we say this, God, whatever you want from me, that's what I'm going to do. And here's what most of us do. God, whatever I want to do, that's what I'll do. And that's not what we do. That's not what we do. But how many know the heart can be a deceitful, wicked thing? I've gone through many circumstances, especially in this past few weeks, when I know what God's trying to do inside of me. Like I see the character that God's trying to shape and I kind of sit there like a two-year-old and and you're like, God, I see it. I know what you want to do, but I'm sitting right here and I'm not moving. (laughs) I just don't want to learn. Like I see the trial, but I don't want to move forward. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Because you know, listen, because you know moving forward is going to be difficult. But here's the truth. Unless you're willing to weather the difficulty, you'll never grow. You'll never grow. You'll never move forward. So let's really quickly talk about the power of giving, the power of generosity. Number one, the simple tithe, the principle of tithe, teaches us to put God first. You know, that's the whole principle about it. It's not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It's an issue that says, God, everything that I have, I'm giving back to you, and I'm making sure that all the gifts that you have given me, I'm making sure that I put you First, Deuteronomy puts it this way, 14.23. The purpose of tithing, watch this, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Listen, if you want to get mad at anybody today, don't get mad at me. Just get mad at the scriptures. It says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first. And I know what some of you are thinking right now, like, shoot, I should have slept in for this one. <laughs> right? OSHA would have slept in. I mean, I would have gladly served an OSC kids and not have to be in this service this morning. And you know why you feel that way? Because here's the thing. For you to do that, you'd have to rearrange your entire life. And so some of you are asking, well, Pastor Zach, are you asking me to rearrange my entire life? Yes. Or, or maybe you have the opposition where you say, well, whoa, whoa, for me to do that, I'd have to give up something. Do I have to do that? Yes. Or, or you say, well, pastor, this would make me stretch my faith. Do I have to do that? Yes. Because <laughs> here's the truth. When you do this, here's what happens. There is this count, like there is this reaction that begins to happen on the inside. And you begin to understand, hold on, I'm no longer in control. God is, and God can take me a whole lot further than I can take myself. Listen, if your faith is not being stretched, if you're not being convicted daily, if you're not looking at everything that you have and you're going, God, how can I give this back to you? Listen, you'll never grow. You'll never get to the place where God wants you to be. I hate to to, to bring you up to date on this, but the truth is God's mechanism for growth oftentimes is adversity. Oftentimes it's pain. Oftentimes it's sacrifice. 
It's laying down what we want to say, God, you have a better purpose for my life. And here's the truth. Sometimes our measuring stick of growth and God's measuring stick looks a whole lot different. And we say, God, give me faith. And God takes everything from you and says, all right, here's your opportunity for faith. You're like, not that way. (laughs) Can we, like, something else. I think most of us have the mindset of like we pray for faith and we hope that we just wake up the next morning and read a scripture and we're like, I have so much faith. (laughs) And God says, no, 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 if if you want faith, I'm gonna give you the scenario to be able to tap into that. Number two, the tithe actually builds our faith. So Malachi 3.10 says it this way, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. You know, this is the only time in scriptures that Jesus says, test me. He said, if you don't believe me, just try it. So here's what I want to, I want to challenge you to do something. If you give your first and your best Here's what God promises to do, that he'll ultimately bless the rest of everything that you have. So here's what I want you to do. And we have done this. We did this the very first, um, when we first started the church within the first year, we did it in the first few months. And we mean this. Every pastor has said this, and I'm absolutely certain about this. If you just say, God, okay, for three months, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to give faithfully whatever that you, whatever God wants you to give. If your life does not begin to change, we will personally write you a check of everything that you've given and we'll give it back to you. Because this is how much we believe in this ultimately. Like my life has radically been transformed by giving. See, 90% with God's blessing goes, goes further than 100% without. 90% of you living off of 90% and giving God 10, God will bless you a whole lot more than you living on 100% by yourself. And some of you are going, hold on, here's the truth. I can't afford to. I'll never be able to. Ever tried to do a push-up? How many know like you can't slam down 20 the first time you've ever tried? You work up to it. You know, I don't say this boastfully or pridefully. My wife and I have chosen every single year to try to give a little bit more. We give more than 10%. And some years that doesn't change. But the truth is we had to work into that. There was probably times where we weren't even giving 10%. We had to work into that. God had to stretch and we, he had to test our faith and we had to get to a place where we go, okay, we see this working out. Let me share with you uh, a story of how I've seen God's generosity play out in my wife and I's life. You know, being in ministry, obviously I don't do this job for the money, okay? Um, And the truth is there have been multiple, multiple times where Claire and I feel so good because we're like, man, we're finally getting money and savings. We got emergency comes up. And then the problem is we have like the emergency fund set up and then an emergency happens, right? (laughs) And it depletes everything. And you're going, oh my God, what are you gonna do? And uh, a few months ago, this happened to me twice, and it's, it's crazy. I don't know why. I guess God just loves me enough to constantly build my character and stretch my faith. But a few months ago, our bank account got hacked. I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but it is the most frustrating thing in the world. And uh, when it got hacked, so they, they like freeze your account. And I remember getting on the phone with the guy. It's like, man, you, we got to do something. You got to unfreeze the account. He's like, well, don't you have another account that you can use? I was like, no, this is it. <laughs> I have one account. <laughs> and um, so 
in that, in that process where I'm like, all my funds are frozen and I don't know how long it's going to be. And I think it was like a, two or three days that it had been frozen. And I realized, I'm like, oh my goodness, like my rent payment, we had just moved into this new house. Like, what am I going to do? And um, here's what's crazy. And my wife can attest to this. If you think I'm exaggerating, talk to her after service is not a joke. Um, my wife calls me and she said, hey, um, were you expecting anything to come in the mail? And I was like, no. Um, she said, there's a check in the mail. And I think it was like something like two, three dollars I was like, wow, that's awesome. You know, so we're excited about that. So I was like, okay, let's go cash that. We'll use that until our, our account unfreezes. The next day, she calls me again and she's like, you're going to want to come home for this one. She's like, were you expecting something in the mail? And I said, no. Well, when we had sold our other house, I guess we had over the, the insurance and all that kind of stuff, we had overpaid. And it ends up being, I think, something, when we all got together, there was three different checks that had came in the mail all in this time and ended up holding about $2,200. And it was like exactly what we needed until our account was unfrozen. And I, I can't tell you how many times that that has happened in our life. Or sitting down at the dinner table going, what are we going to do? We go check the mail, and they're like, oh, there's a check. When we sold our, uh, when we were living in Jennings before we planted the church here, we had bought a brand new house there, and we had moved in, and the guy felt bad because he wasn't able to replace some things, and we didn't know. We went to the, the mailbox one day, and there was like $1,500 in there. He's like, I felt bad that I couldn't replace the fence and do other stuff, so here. We're like, who does that? <laughs> So, so here's the truth. Many of us sit in church ready and willing to honor God in most areas of our lives except the tithe. We're ready, we're willing to say, God, I'll honor you. But if you fully want to honor God with your life, here's the truth. Generosity is just a part of that. Generosity is a part of that. And the truth is God will prove himself faithful when you start living a life of generosity. Not when you say, well, when I start getting this way, then I'll start living that. Here's the truth. Or if you use the excuse, well, when I make more, then I'll give more. The truth is you won't. When you make more, you won't give more. You just increase your lifestyle. We make more. Vacation. Bigger car. (laughs) Right? Generosity makes no sense to the world, but as Christ followers, this is what we do. See, generosity makes no sense to the world. It makes no sense to most people. And why? Because here's the truth. Fear will try to ruin your faith, but God begins to provide when your fear is no longer the loudest voice. See, when your fear is no longer the loudest voice, because here's the truth. If we're just honest, the reason that most of us don't like to hear sermons like this is because it causes us to step into the unknown. It causes us to step into the unknown. It causes us to move into this position where we have to fully trust God. And if you were just being honest, because I, I have to deal with this too, how many of you guys like to be in control? How many of you guys don't, how many of you guys just love it when you're like, I'm just not in control. Things are out of control. <laughs> Nobody's like, sign me up. We love to be in control. It's this idea of like, when we get into a car, it's like, it's not even a, my wife is not driving. I'm driving (laughs) because I like to be in control. Although she would probably think we were safer if she was driving. (laughs) The third thing, the tithe provides for the work of God's church. Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. 
Now, this, this part is huge. This part is big because just a show of hands, how many of you would say that your life has been changed through the work of this church? Many of you. Many of you. See, when people give, the work of God goes forward and it transforms lives. This is what we do. The reason that we give two weekends ago, I don't know if you know this, across all three of our campuses, there was 130 people that gave their life to Jesus for the first time. 130 people. Two weekends across all three of our campuses, there was 1,448 people in attendance just in Easter. See, your generosity makes a way for the church to transform lives. This is what we do. Can, can I be honest with you? And you know, when we first started this church, I used to be terrified to talk about this stuff because I know how some people think. They think that the only reason that a guy would stand up here and talk about this stuff because he's just worried about lining his own pocket, right? That's all he cares about. The truth is, since we've started this church, we've always had an open door policy. Anything you want to know, we'll tell you. Anything you want to see, you can see it. We don't hide anything because we know that sometimes, you know, church and money can be like oil and water and people just don't like to hear about it. So we've always had this open door policy. The truth is we're leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And if we're going to do that well, we have to talk about generosity. We have to, because here's the truth. My wife and I, saw somebody, I don't remember where it was, a a few weeks ago, we ran into somebody, we were at Popeye's last weekend, we're sitting down, and this lady comes up to to my wife and I, and she goes, do you recognize me? I'm like, no. (laughs) She said, your church came to us during the flood, and you gutted my floor. She said, you changed out our floor, and you changed out the rugs, and you did all this stuff, And she said, we follow you guys online all the time. And she said, I'll never forget what y'all did for me. That's why we do this. We give back because here's the truth. Ultimately, what we're doing is transforming lives. See, when we give, God multiplies. And when God multiplies, it builds our faith and we give even more. So I want to end this with a question. Are you a part of the we or are you a part of the me? Are you a part of the we? Like it's all about us collectively doing what God has called us to do. Are you so focused on you, yourself, and your own problems that you lose sight of the greater destiny, the greater future, the greater plan that God has for you? You know that you will live the most fulfilled life when you live a life that is not connected just to you. You will live the most fulfilled life when you have a purpose that goes beyond you. Can I tell you why some of you are so tired in your relationship with Jesus? Why Christianity has gotten old? Why it's just become another thing that we do? The reason that it's like that is because we're not living for something that is greater than ourselves. I say this honestly, and I hope you take this the right way. My wife and I love leading this church. It's been the greatest adventure that we've ever been on. And on the flip side, it's been the hardest thing that we've ever done. Because the truth is when you do this, sometimes you can't control what people say about you. You can't control what people think about you. Although in the beginning you try, (laughs) it never works. 
And here's what I've learned. When you start living a lifestyle to please God, here's the truth. There's no other way to say it. People are just going to hate you. People are just not going to like you. Taylor Swift got it right when she said, haters are going to (laughs) hate. It just happens. Some of your family members may go, what what are you doing? Like you're living 100% to God. You're giving what? Are you insane? Here's the truth. When I walk through the darkest times of leading this church, you know what is the, the, the thing that sustains me over and over and over and over again? The reason that I don't quit, the reason that I don't give up, because I realize that I'm living a life that goes beyond me. Because my dream and my hope is that one day, like when I'm dead and gone and I'm not the pastor of this church anymore, that there are still spiritual sons that raise up and they carry the mission of reaching people and building lives and that this church is still a force in this city. That one day when we have the opportunity to build our own building, we don't just build this monument and say, man, for two year, for 20 years, they, they, were, they grew and they did amazing things and then they just kind of fluffed out. The reason that churches die, the reason that churches fluff out is because they lose sight of the vision. They go through adversity, they go through hard times, and ultimately the people see it as, you know what, it's just difficult and we're out. So I want to ask you again, are you living in scarcity? Are you a part of the supply? Are you a part of the cycle as a consumer or are you a contributor? Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Are you just one that comes in here every Sunday and says, look, I'm just here for me. I'm here so that I can be fed. And there's a part of that that is, we want that. We want you to be fed. Listen, if you're brand new here today, this maybe wasn't simply a message just for you. Like if you're here today for the first time, welcome. There's no obligations that you have this morning, zero. Man, but if you've been coming here for three years and you've just been sitting in the seat and you've been hearing everything, that we've been talking about and you still haven't got over that hump of diving in, there's more for you. Like God has more for you. He has a life that is so much greater than the one that you're living right now. So are we a consumer or are we a contributor? Contributors say, you know what? That's not Pastor Zach and Claire's church. That's my church and I have some responsibilities to take for that. That's my church. Like I want people to get saved. I want people to come to know Jesus. And that means that I have a responsibility in this. And I'm gonna lead the way, that I'm gonna pave the way, that when I'm at work, I'm gonna tell people about what God's doing. And like, I play a role in this. You know, your role is just as important as mine. I may be the one with the microphone up here on Sunday, but your role is just as important because at the end of the day, when we walk out of these, these, these walls, We're all the same. We're all the same. We're all the same, meaning this. All of us have a responsibility to either go, I'm just going to listen to something and I'm just going to consume information or you have the opportunity to go out there and say, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about it? What are we going to do to build this church? God has so much for this church. It's such a privilege to lead it. It's such a privilege to see that all God has done in the past three years and the people that have gotten saved and the marriages that have been transformed. But listen, we're like, we're barely getting started. (laughs) Barely getting started. 
Like God is, we are just like, we haven't even crossed the starting line yet. God has so much more. And I believe this, that we will reach a place that God really wants us to be when all of us in here can get to the place where we say, you know what, I'm in. I am all 